0: Hi, welcome to Coffee Break for Your Soul. Encouragement for your journey, your story, for you. A podcast where we'll explore what it means to spark joy, to rest and refresh, and live as God's beloved. Where I share what I'm learning on my journey as it unfolds with you. I'm your host, Bonnie Gray, author of Whispers of Rest and Finding Spiritual White Space. Don't forget, I love to answer your questions, so post your questions for me on Facebook or Instagram at Gray. If you're not on Facebook, go to my website, which is TheBonnieGray.com. Together we'll discover what being the beloved might look like in your life and mine. Now, breathe. Pull up a chair. I'll pour the coffee. Let's begin. The author Henry Nouwen tells us many voices ask for our attention. There is a voice that says, prove that you're a good person. Another voice says, you'd better be ashamed of yourself. There also is a voice that says, nobody really cares about you. And one that says, be sure to become successful, popular and powerful. But underneath all these often very noisy voices is a still, small voice that says, You are my beloved. My favor rests on you. That's the voice we need most of all to hear. That's what prayer is. It is listening to the voice that calls us my beloved. Isn't that a beautiful quote? to begin our time with together well i want to welcome you to the second week of our advent podcast a special show called whispers of christmas where we're just going to slow right down and spend some time to nurture our souls with some conversation which i love having with you thank you so much for being with me on this journey and it's just been so wonderful to get your emails and see your postings on Facebook or Instagram just share with me what has spoken to you as you've listened to the podcasts and that's what makes this thing real it's because we are part of um part of the same journey which is discovering who who we can become when we stop to listen to God's whispers and we can dare to be known with each other. So thank you so much. It's really vulnerable um, season for me as I step out to do this podcast because I just had this idea spark to just share my heart with you week by week as my own journey unfolds. And so it's just been so wonderful. Well, today we have a very special show. I have a special guest Emily Freeman, she's the author of Simply Tuesday, and that's her latest book. And so I sit down with her to have a really soulful coffee conversation among friends. We're gonna be able to explore what is small moment living and what does it mean to slow down in your life and overcoming the fear of being left behind. (laughs) if we stop being busy and stop kind of trying to catch up with everybody, whatever everybody else is doing. And so it's a really, really good um, interview that I share with you um, in the last part of today's show. Now, the first part, we want to just slow right down. We actually want to experience this time of peace with God because this week's Advent theme is peace. Last week, we talked about It's not too late, and we sparked hope. And today we're going to talk about being present and doing what makes you come alive and sparking peace. So, today we're going to spark peace. So, first, we're going to just slow right down. We have a time of just contemplative prayer just and what that means is just listening relaxing and allowing the scripture reading to just speak to you giving god a pocket of quiet so that you can receive the loving whispers that are meant for you today and this week of advent second i'm going to share from my own life what happened this past week what i learned as i tried to step out and live and build a life Of meaning as the beloved. So I have a very personal story to share with you. It's from my heart. It's very intimate and vulnerable, but I think that's really what life is about, right? The life of faith is that we don't hide and we share where we're at in the middle of a journey. And then at the end, we'll enjoy a super- Um, fun time with Emily and have some conversation. Now, the first thing I want to do is also to thank you because um, last week for our Advent on Hope... I wasn't sure there's just like so much that I'm putting into the show and I'm wondering oh are people gonna want to listen to all this and you guys have just been so encouraging and gracious and so I'm really happy because you know I've been telling you that I'm Chinese American and one thing about uh, the Chinese culture if you ever get invited to have dinner um, at a family serving Chinese dinner you'll know there is a lot of stuff on the table there's lots of food and No one can ever leave the table without there being leftovers on the table. Like that is like the worst fear I ever have. If I have you guys over for dinner, you're I want to make sure there's enough. And it's always more important to have more than less. So I was just so happy that you guys feel the same way about this podcast. So I'm going to keep going and just like, you know, share. And um, if you were ever here local and we were to go out to dinner on a girl's night out, you would know my husband knows this, Eric. He knows if I'm going out for um you know, dinner with some girlfriends. It's like he probably won't see me for another two hours, <laughs> because you know, once you start sitting down and and chatting, and you're just in the pocket with your friends, it's like time just flies by, right? So that's how I feel about this podcast. Okay, so for those of you that are new to joining us this week, you can subscribe to Coffee Break for Your Soul on iTunes, and if um, you're not an iPhone user, you can go to SoundCloud. Dot com and you can look up Coffee Break for Your Soul there. You can subscribe, and that way you can get this show hot and fresh right when I click publish. <laughs> so um, thank you again for everybody's support. And um, I just wanted to say that. All right, so let's slow right down. Slow right down. There's a contemplative practice um, that we've actually been going through. Last week when we had... Uh, stepped into Mary's story as she prayed let it be with me just as you say we were focusing on the rhythm contemplative rhythm of waiting just waiting and that's such a beautiful beautiful um, movement is just to wait and to let God let God uh, guide us as we rest this week, we're going to focus on the movement of accepting, the contemplative movement of accepting. So let's let's step into the scene with the wise men because they were on a journey just like we are. Isn't that right? We're all in the middle of a journey, and it's just a beautiful time for us to let go of whatever we maybe woke up with all the troubles and the burdens, and let's put those aside. There's a verse that we love to share with each other. We say in Psalm 46.10, Be still and know that I am God. Be still and know that I am God. Well, the Hebrew word translating be still literally means let go of your grip. Let go of your grip. So for day, today and this week's Advent of Peace, this movement I want to invite you to do is to let go of your grip. Because once we let go of our grip, whatever's in our hands, we can receive the beauty and the peace of what God has to whisper to you. So as you listen to the music, just relax. If you're sitting, just just place yourself in a softened position if you're driving just keep your eyes open (laughs) but just relax being a relaxing place within yourself as you listen notice one word that speaks to you or draws your attention you can return to this one word during the week at any time Is a conversation starter with you and God, or simply a way to experience His presence again? Our passage today comes from Matthew, chapter 2. After Jesus was born in Bethlehem, the Magi came from the east to Jerusalem. They asked, where is the newborn king of the Jews? We've seen his star in the east, and we've come to honor him. When King Herod heard this, he was troubled, and everyone in Jerusalem was troubled with him. Then Herod secretly called for the Magi and found out from them the time when the star had first appeared. He sent them to Bethlehem, saying, Go and search carefully for the child. When you found him, report to me, so that I may go and honor him. When they heard the king, they went. And look, the star they had seen in the east went ahead of them until it stood over the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they were filled with joy. They entered the house and saw the child with Mary and his mother. Now, as you listened, was there one word that spoke to you? This is interesting. This story takes place at night. The story also is filled with a lot of troubled people. The King Herod was troubled. The people were troubled. And yet this was a journey through which the Magi had to enter into and walk through. Even though you know Christmas is a time of peace, what is it? that you're facing and perhaps finding yourself troubled by. God understands. We also see that the wise men could only travel at night. How do you feel when you think about this? About traveling or journeying by night? Is it lonely? Or is it peaceful, beautiful, or something else? How does it make you feel to journey at night? There's also a lot of searching in this passage about the Magi and where the child would be born and what time would it happen at and there's a lot of details that people are trying to find out about this birth. And we see that peace really isn't a solution. It's not even found in a plan. Peace is the person holding your hand just like that star. That's guiding, guiding the Magi, so they can travel one night at a time. Jesus understands our longing for peace, and he understands that it can be confusing because what he's guiding us to might not match how things look like in our lives in the moment. I imagine the Magi were asking lots of questions. Is this real? Should I go? Maybe you're asking some questions right now, during this week of peace, as you think about your life. How about you? What kind of questions would you like to ask God right now? Confide in Him. As friend to friend, use this time as a time of prayer to share whatever's on your heart. And don't forget, that light in the sky is Christ in you right now. Well it's interesting, isn't it, that Jesus said, in this world you will have trouble. He said, in this world you will have trouble, but take heart, I've overcome the world. Jesus also said in John 16, 33, peace I live with you, I give to you not as the world gives. So it's interesting, this juxtaposition between the peace that the world gives and then the peace God gives. Well, what's the peace that the world gives? And I think as we look at this story of the Magi and Herod and the troubled people in Jerusalem, we can see that's troubling times in our world. And we wonder, well, what kind of peace is God offering to me? Maybe even in my own family, in my own cir- circumstances, relationships my finances and the world offers a plan and resolving everything and but God says I offer you myself peace is a person peace is a person so I hope that you enjoyed this this quiet time where we can just let go of our grip on all the things we want to solve and try to find peace in just making everything right. And yet we also know there's a more beautiful peace. And that's a peace of someone who loves you, someone who loves me, someone who loves us. And that is Jesus. Well, we're going to now transition and step into the second part of our show. And the second part of our show, we are going to share some Fun updates. <laughs> um, we, I, ha- I got some questions this week, so I want to answer your questions and they all relate to peace. And I'm going to share a very personal story from my own life. That's super intimate and vulnerable. Um, something that came up for me as I was, uh, struggling with peace <laughs> and, um, I love, um, this verse on peace. It's from Isaiah chapter 26, three, I will give you perfect peace. Um, I will give you. He, I will give you perfect peace, whose mind is stayed on thee, because he trusts in you. Okay, I'm going to read that again because I kind of botched that. <laughs> I will give you perfect peace, whose mind is stayed on thee, because he trusts in you. I love this because when I first read it, even as a little girl, um, I didn't understand what is perfect peace. It tells us that there's peace that's perfect and then there's peace that's not perfect. Well, I looked up the root word for peace and the word is shalom. And what's beautiful about this word shalom is that shalom is actually a knitting back together. It's actually putting pieces that are separated and putting that back together. So it has to do with finding things that have been lost and God helping us, find those pieces and putting it back together. And you notice when people don't feel peaceful, we say things like my heart is broken. Don't we say things like that? Oh my gosh, my heart's broken or I've lost a piece of my heart. Or um you know, my heart is it's just killed my heart to hear that or to have that happen. And so we understand this 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 metaphor that our hearts can be scattered or broken or lost. And God is saying I am shalom for you. I am with you and I'm going to help bring the pieces that you've hidden or pieces that you've lost or people um, that have hurt you or things in circumstances in life that have broken you. And um, it doesn't mean the other pieces of our heart are damaged. Um, I think sometimes we're just afraid to talk about the things that are giving us trouble. But God says, no, come to me, weary and heavy laden, and I'll give you rest Because God says, I am shalom. I hold all the pieces of you together. And a lot of times in our Christian culture, we'll say, well, just trust God. You know, if you're troubled, just trust God. But the root word for trust in this verse in Isaiah 26, 3 is beautiful. I love it. It means confidence. It means relying on. And it actually even means falling down into (laughs) <laughs> so when we trust God, it doesn't mean we don't think about what troubles us and um, we just kind of ignore it and everything's fine. No, it's actually taking all the pieces out and saying, you know what, this made me fall down this week. This tripped me up. This really, <clears throat> you know, like caught my heart and it just, oh, I-, I don't know. I don't know how I feel. It's putting this confidence in God. Now, The reason why I share this is because I had a question. um, Two podcasts ago, I shared lighthouse questions for your soul. And these are questions meant to help you brainstorm and spark ideas on what would make you feel like life is meaningful. And I had a question because somebody said, well, I don't even know. I couldn't even fill it out. It's like I looked at the questions. I posted it in our private Facebook group for our Whispers of Rest book club and I gave them to you over the podcast and somebody said I I don't know it sounded fun but then once I took it out these questions I I don't I don't even know what I love anymore and I don't know what I don't like and 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 it just I can't answer these questions and so I had explained that there's a concept called anxiety of avoidance. Um, You know sometimes when you get an idea you kind of like explain it away or you kind of brush it aside or you kind of talk yourself out of it. Or we listen to the critical voices, maybe in critics of the past, you know. And so there's something called anxiety of avoidance. When you avoid something, maybe you're like, at the moment you'll feel better, like, oh, I don't want to do it. Oh, forget it. It's too much trouble. It'll cause too much trouble or conflict. And I, I don't know what it'll lead to. Forget it. You just brush it to the side. Well, guess what? It creates anxiety. Um, In the moment, it feels good, right? But then we go try to be busy. We try to do things, go to our checklist to feel better. And at night, somehow, maybe it's hard to fall asleep. Or we just have this restlessness It causes us to be irritable. We don't even know why. Well, it's called an anxiety of avoidance because what we've avoided actually grows. It kind of grows and it doesn't leave us because we're ignoring our hearts. And God knows this. So the Holy Spirit, whatever he plants in our hearts, those seeds of becoming, um, coming alive and doing things that would bring you peace, it also includes saying no to things that don't bring you peace. And sometimes we avoid saying no, right? We avoid saying no. We avoid quitting whatever it is we need to quit because that season's over for us. And it, it could be something that um, looks good and has a lot of purpose, for someone else that's called to a ministry or for someone else that feels uh, God has put a burden on their heart, okay? But it's, it's not something God's given you in this season. So it involves letting go. So that would be the first um, question that I want to answer is sometimes we don't know how to find out what would give us peace and we don't know why we're so stressed out. It's because we are avoiding something God's calling us to let go of and say no. Or we're avoiding starting something new that God is calling us to do. And so remember, picture the Magi. Do you remember the Magi? We just were with them a few minutes ago. They actually had to leave. They had to leave their city. They had to leave their jobs. They had to leave their families. And they had to go on this journey. And who knows how long it was going to take. They had no idea. And in fact, we saw that the star was moving one night at a time. Like they had no idea when they were going to arrive, right? So there's no timetable. And yet they had to leave what they knew, their everyday jobs, their everyday routines. They had to, to, to step out to follow this star. Well, God is whispering something to you, especially at this end of this year. Things are so intensified. Maybe the things that you've brushed to the side that you've just avoided, it's coming back and you're reminded, oh gosh, you know, I wanted to do it and I didn't do it the whole year. Or maybe I wanted to stop X, Y, Z. Or I needed to leave this friendship, this relationship. Or I needed to create boundaries. I needed to fill in the blank. And yet we come to the end of the year and we're like, oh boy, these things are still with me. And oh... You know, it can cause anxiety, but God says, don't worry. Because you know what? That star, that star is still there for you. That star is Jesus. He is our peace, remember? And so the world might not want any trouble, right? The peace that the world offers. It might not look really good because life gets messy when we go and we leave what's known and we have to go to a new adventure and build, maybe build, some new relationships or go strike out on your own path but God says hey my peace is different it might look like things are falling apart to other people and even to us but God says no my peace is different my peace is calling you to be with me okay so that's the first kind of peace the peace is doing what we need to do to follow wherever God calling us to go okay so that's the first um, question and the first answer. Um, I shared with this reader that uh, what I did is I needed to, before you at, before you try to answer those questions, those lighthouse questions, to write a letter to Jesus. And so I talk about this in Whispers of Rest, that writing letters is very, very heart-opening. Very, very heart-opening because it keeps us from analyzing things And start expressing our heart. And the letter that I wrote to Jesus before I answered those questions was actually very honest. And usually, if it's really honest, you start with what you're not happy with. (laughs) Your discontent. I'm going to read a little bit from my journal here. Okay, and I actually wrote this on the last day of um, 2014. I said, it's the last day of the year, God, and I am unable to sleep. Not because I can't fall asleep, but because I don't think I've lived today fully yet because I put myself to the side and I didn't do the things that I wanted to do and I did the things that I didn't want to do because I felt I ought to, I should, I have to. I better do this or else. And I did live today from I don't want to be left out and I don't want to miss out and I want to do what everyone else is doing because if I did what I really wanted to, it might I might be wrong. I might lose what I already have, and then I'll be all alone. Now it might seem, gosh, in such a such a down place, right? But guess what? Once I was able to express my heart to Jesus, I was able to figure out, you know what? What I really miss is this, and that's when I could answer the lighthouse questions. We try to compartmental our compartmentalize our hearts, but God, God. That's not how God sees us. He sees all pieces, all pieces of us with him. So remember, shalom, all pieces. It reminds me of a quilt. And um, some people compare it to a puzzle. They say there's a puzzle pieces and there's pieces that are missing. And God wants to, you know, have the missing piece put back in our our hearts. So I'm not like uh, syncing up with that metaphor. <laughs> so I like the picture of a quilt. And so I like that the quilt is just like, a patchwork of different things that are beautiful to you and they might not even make sense. And I, I felt that way, you know, when I wrote Whispers of Rest, um, when I was writing about, well, what are things that are, you know, God's putting in my life that make me feel peaceful help me to be peaceful. And I was sharing this in a book with you and suddenly like poetry would come out. And then, and then after a sto- I'd share a story, I, I wanted to share research that I found on science, what science shows us can calm our hearts. And then I wanted to share, well, gosh, I, I can't stop there. I got to share what's the prayer practice that I learned that can be very easy, simple prayers. And when I looked at it, I just felt like, gosh, this is like Frankenstein. There's all these like mishmash of different pieces. Oh my gosh, this is terrible. No one's going to want to read this. But you know what? This picture of Shalom came back to me. And it's to us, it looks like, gosh, our our lives are in different places. But no, to God, it's a quilt, different pieces of us coming together. Um, So I think that that moves us to the next um, question I wanted to answer, which was how to create space because sometimes we feel like our lives, I got a question um, from another reader and um, she had asked me, well, uh, I, I see all the things that I love to do that make me come alive, but I have no idea how to make space for it. I can't change everything. Everything I have to do, I have to do. And so my response and I wanted to share it here, is um, interesting. I actually um, came back when I did the Facebook Live with the Whispers of Rest book club, and this reader asked this question. I actually came home to my hubby, and I said, oh my gosh, look at! I did the video, and I only have 1% left in my battery. Oh my gosh, I said, thank God that um, you know, I still had this left. And so he shared this conversation with me. Okay, so Eric, I just got back from recording my Facebook Live, and look at how much is left on my battery.
1: Wow, it's down to 1%.
0: Isn't that crazy?
1: Yeah, you better charge it up right away.
0: Why? I'll just do it later. I'll just do it later.
1: Uh, No, you need to do it right now because you're going to uh, damage the battery and it won't be able to hold as much charge later.
0: What does that mean? It won't hold as much charge later?
1: It means if you charge it all the way back up to 100%, it's not going to last as long as it could if you took care of the battery.
0: Wow. So when when is a good time to recharge it then? Because usually I just wait until it runs down.
1: Uh, yeah. Anything above 10% would be really good. When it's about halfway down, it would be good to charge it up.
0: Okay. Isn't that interesting? Isn't that interesting that for a battery on our phone, if we drain it all the way down and recharge it, it just it won't it won't last as long and that's so interesting i didn't even know that it's kind of like our lives isn't it a metaphor for our lives like we think okay i don't have time to relax i don't have time to rest i don't have time to make time for myself i don't have this i don't have that and then we drain ourselves down and it's like it's it's really hard to get ourselves back to that place of rest so it's more important to take you know rest whenever we can however we can get it And then it'll really be just like that battery, you know, to recharge, not wait till it's all empty. Okay. Um, So I wanted to share that. But uh, what I shared with this reader, uh, when she shared, she didn't know what to do. I said, okay, it's going to have to take something really radical because it's, it's, we are afraid of conflict. So you know how the Magi, they could only rest during the day. And then they journeyed at night. So it tells us that there needs to be some separation in order to create the space. So that means someone might be disappointed. It might require funds, money to make these changes, and it's going to involve a cost of leaving. And we already covered that. But I wanted to share this verse. Um, I thought of Jesus. Okay. And the disciples, they, some people were saying, hey, I want to follow you, Jesus. And um, this is what Jesus said. Okay. This is in Luke chapter 9, 59 to 62. Uh, Jesus said to another, follow me. But he said, Lord, permit me first to go and bury my father. But Jesus said to him, allow the dead to bury their own dead. To as for you, go and proclaim everywhere the kingdom of God. Another said to him, I will follow you, Lord, but first permit me to go say goodbye to my family at home. But Jesus said to him, no one, after putting his hand to the plow and looking back, is fit for the kingdom of God. Now, this passage often is very troubling to us because we're like, oh my gosh, Jesus seems so harsh. Like the dad, you know, the dad is dead and you won't even let him go bury his father. And then this other person just wanted to go say bye, goodbye at home, and Jesus is saying he wasn't even fit for the kingdom if he looks back. It just seems harsh. Well, I want to give you some peace here <laughs> because the word fit for the kingdom of God is the word, I wrote it down here, uh, use, use the toasts, use the toasts. Okay? And it's actually meaning adjust, adjust and fitted. So, it doesn't mean you can't be in the kingdom of God. It's just saying it's you, you have more adjustments. And you have the flexibility. You have the freedom. You're kind of outfitted. You're able to have movement to experience God's kingdom. It doesn't mean you don't qualify. You hear what I'm saying? So it's kind of like the wrong uh, connotation. So now what does it mean then that Jesus says, don't go bury your dead father and don't go back and say goodbye? Well, I have my reading of this. And I think it's saying, let the dead bury the dead. That means some things are just dead. Some things are just the end. Some things just, it's the end of the chapter. It's the end of the season. It was good at that moment, but not anymore. And so what does that mean for you? There's something in your life, God is saying to you, you know, Kim or Jenny or Angie or Megan um, you know what? That was good at the time, but it's that season's over for you. D- those things are now past. OK, and then when Jesus told another person that, you know, don't go say goodbye to your family um, because you want to. You know, he says you need to be well adjusted and flexible. Don't, don't don't put your hand on the plow and look back. I think Jesus is saying to us. Um, do it now. <laughs> Because he said he wanted to go back and say goodbye. Okay, I think Jesus is saying, no, do it now. Now, now, now. And so it's not a hurry type of now or stressful now, but it's I think it's a gentle now. So maybe there are things that you've been waiting for a long time to start. Maybe you've been waiting a long time. Maybe you're waiting for somebody's permission to give you permission to go do X or Y. Maybe you're waiting for something to happen in your life, maybe a chance or an opportunity or whatever it may be. Okay, Jesus is saying, no, to be, to run free in my kingdom, like just come now, come right now as you are. And so I was sharing with people um, that were on this Facebook live video that as people were asking questions, like, well, I have all these, sh- uh, you know limitations or I don't see how I can change my life to do the things that I want to do. It's going to have to be radical. It's going to be have to be radical. But it's also thrilling, isn't it? Isn't it thrilling? If we can just hear God's voice, then that's all we care about. We can say no to everything else. Okay, so um, I wanted to share a story, a story from my own personal life where it was hard for me to let go. I, I want to share it with you because I I understand where you're at, and I don't want you to feel like oh well I'm just here giving, um you know a lot of, you know, insight. But I wanted to share with you where where the journey I've been and why I'm passionate to share um share this with you. So when I was telling you I was wanting to do whispers of rest and I felt like I was looking at a Frankenstein of uh <laughs> of a devotional. I was like oh my gosh what kind of devotional is this? This this is not This is not what people do. I've never seen a devotional with all these different parts. And um, it was really um, scary for me actually to share and to, uh, you know, commit time and resources to doing this book. And there was just such fear in my heart um, because it does take finances to you know, put into this project. When you release a book, you actually have to, you know, pay for people to help you. At least I do because I'm a full-time mom and I I can't do everything myself, you know, to pay for paying for the graphics and the images. And um, I created some Bible study videos and podcasts. And those are just from my own heart. I just really wanted to do them um, to be part of Whispers of Rest. And I was just afraid to use the money. Um, And I actually decided to use the money for my book advance. So I told you I was going to be honest, okay? But I was like, there's this voice that says, like, well, you're wasting your money because you don't even know if people are how many people are going to buy it or read it. You're wasting your money. You're wasting your time, and all these stories you're writing, all this research you're doing, digging around, you're wasting you're wasting this time. And my family had to support me, right? Because when you write a book, um, you know, my husband has to help out in certain times when I have a deadline so I felt really like unsure and I didn't want to do it. Well, what happened was um, this memory as I was struggling as to, I even considered like not, not even writing the book, like forget it, you know. Um, it's too much. I don't want to take the risk. And God brought me to a memory in my childhood where I was I, I, I was stuck. I was stuck in a certain place. So I'm going to tell you the story. So when I was little, um I was um my parents were just divorced and my parents divorced when I was 7. So I was probably like 8 or 9 at the time and I was very sick. I was sick and we didn't have money to go see the doctors. And so um I needed to see the doctor because I was having a fever, it wasn't abating, and my throat was hurting. And I know now, looking back now that I'm a mom, that I had strep throat. But I I, I was hurting and I was having a fever and my body was just like so tired and limp and I couldn't even talk. Um, and, and I actually think I had hand-foot-mouth disease because even my gums had sores and my mouth had sores and I couldn't even drink water, it was so painful. Um, so anyhow, my mom, um, one day drove me to where my dad had worked and she didn't prepare me for it, but she said, okay, I want you to go and I want you to ask your father for money so that you can go see the doctor. And because my little sister was also getting sick, we were thinking that she was, she also had what I had. And so she's like, we need money so that you and your sister can go see the doctor. But I had said, but I don't, I don't even, I, he doesn't, I don't even know if he remembers me. I hadn't seen him in a long time since they had divorced. And so I was like, but what do I say? And then she's like, uh, you know, you know how to speak, just go ask him. And so to make a long story short, I, I walked through the parking lot into the restaurant. My father was a, um, was a busboy at this restaurant at the Chinese restaurant and I was like really scared. I wouldn't know what to say and what's he going to say to me. But yet I felt like I had to go. And when I finally did, I went to the lobby and the people went to go get my father. My father was very unhappy to see me. He said, why are you here? I'm working. Why, Why are you here? And so I had to ask him for the money and I told him I was sick and we need money to see the doctor. And he says, well, go tell your mom that I don't have any money. Don't come back here. Don't come back here and ask me for any money. And right in that moment, I still felt it in my heart. Just this, 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 my heart just, I don't even know. It's like it collapsed inside me. It, it just collapsed. And I knew that I had to, I knew I had, I couldn't go back because my mom had told me, don't come back to the car unless you have money. Get the money from your dad. And so like, I just said, but you have to give me something. I Mom says, I can't go back unless you give me some money. So my dad then, and this really, really hurt me because my dad then reached into his pocket and he took out some cash and he gave me some money. But I was so hurt by it because he just said he didn't have any money. And then he just actually didn't give me enough. It was just some dollar bills. And so as I pushed the door open to leave, I was just filled with fear and shame because and I said to myself in that moment, I said, I will never ever ask anybody for money. Even if I have to die, I will never ask anybody for money. In my little, you know, nine-year-old self, eight-year-old self, I kind of made that vow, you know. And as I went back, um, you know, it was just this moment before I went into the car, I was walking through the parking lot and I just felt like, you know what, this is not enough. And I just felt like there was nothing in the world that was good anymore for me. And the only thing I knew was that I will never find myself in this situation again. Now, the reason why I'm telling this story, um, you may, you know, this, this story is sad, but there is, there is peace in this story that I found because I told God, I said, why are you sharing this story with me? I, I you know, I don't, I don't want to remember this story. Um, but God said to me, he said, but God, but Bonnie, you said you had nothing, but you have my hand, you have my word, you have my words. And I realized in that moment, as I looked at myself, that little girl holding the dollar bills, going back to the car, I realized that I've been holding on to like these dollar bills in, you know. As, as I, as I'm not, I'm afraid to release and follow what God's calling me to do. It's like, I, I don't want to be wrong. I don't want to be empty handed, right? So whatever dollar bills I have, I'm just holding on to it. And God's kind of gently um, in my imagination, looking back at this memory, was gently holding my hand and saying, no, look, we don't need these dollar bills. Look, I'm holding your hand, Bonnie. And you I was telling him, I go, but then I won't have anything. What if I'm wrong about all this? And God saying, No, you have my words. And I could just feel my heart like filling up with his words again. And I realized that that's my name. I'm the one who hears his voice. God says, You're the one who hears my voice. You're the one who have my you're the one who has my words. You're the one who has my words. Um so why am I sharing this story with you? Because We talked about at the beginning, you know, letting go of what's in our grip. And so I don't know what it is for you that you're holding on to, that God is gently touching your hand and asking you to um, let go of so that he can hold your hand, so that he can give you his words, so that you can look up and to see his gentle, loving um, face, his eyes looking at you and letting you know, it's okay, I've got you. I'm your peace. I will give you what you need. And I love this verse um, where God had said, tells us that you have my words. In Isaiah 55 10 For as the rain and the snow come down from heaven and do not return there without watering the earth and making it bear and sprout and furnishing seed to the sower. And bread to the eater, so will my word be which goes forth from my mouth. It will not return to me empty without accomplishing what I desire and succeeding in the matter for which I sent it. So, what are the words that God has placed on your heart to let go of and also to receive from Him? What is it that he's wanting to accomplish in your heart? And he's saying he will succeed in it with you. Those beautiful words as you look out where it's snowing for you or as rain may be coming down this week as we enter closer into winter. Think of God's word. You have what you need and his word is going to be your peace for whatever it is that God is calling you just like he called the Magi, to make that journey and to follow him into Christmas, into the new year, into your day, and into your week. Well, I hope that this, um, this, this portion of our show today has touched and encouraged you. And um, I want to um, share with you that that little girl that was sick, she was able to be better. I was able to um, go to the doctor. Little Bonnie was was, was okay. <laughs> but, um, you know, I did learn that even though I returned to the car, um, a big part of my heart was left in that parking lot. And the little girl that got back in the car was a little girl that that wouldn't do anything that would expose her to the risk of loss, would expose her to the risk of wasting anybody's money. And I realized that Jesus was healing me and saying no that may be true and I helped you to survive and to get through what it means to grow up but now I'm still with you that little girl that was in the parking lot that just wanted to be free to express her heart and to be loved that little girl is with me she's safe with me and and you're here with me now so once I recognized that then I was like okay God whatever you had given me I'm going to share it. It doesn't matter what happens to it because it's already accomplished its purpose, which is watering my soul and giving life to my soul. So I'm very blessed <laughs> that we're here on this podcast because God has shown me that this whispers of rest now is watering your soul and is bringing life to all the seeds he's planted in your own life. Okay, well, this is a good segue into the last part of our show, which is really Beautiful, beautiful, beautiful with Emily Freeman. It, we have such an amazing conversation about what it means, and it's connected to the week of peace. What would it mean to live intentionally and to have small moments of living? Okay, I hope you enjoy it. And please do let me know how this podcast speaks to you. And thank you for taking time to listen. I hope that you can share this podcast with friends who are longing for peace, please share this podcast, get the word out about this podcast Advent. And next week, we will come back to reflect on joy. And if you would like to have a community to support you in what you're um, journeying through, I want to invite you to join the Whispers of Rest Facebook group, book club, And we're going to be doing a book club again in January in the new year. So to join, just buy a copy of the book and then sign up at whispersofrust.com. All right, let's join Emily now. Well, it's a rainy day in California and it's a perfect kind of weather to have a soul-to-soul conversation with our special guest today, Emily Freeman. And I would love to introduce you to her by way of... Her books. Uh, she has a recent book that she released that's called Simply Tuesday. And actually, Emily, why don't you say hello and you you share with us about the book that just gave birth recently for you?
2: <laughs> well, thanks, Bonnie. Um, yes, yeah, Simply Tuesday is um, all about learning to embrace small moment living in the midst of a fast moving world. Because I don't know about you, but I, for several years, you know, I wrote uh, three books in. period of about three or four years. And at the time, I thought, that's just how people do it. This is normal. And now I kind of look back and I think, you know, I think those books were right. It was the right time. And for me at the time, it was the right way. Um, But it happened really quickly. And after a time, after my third book came out, I started to feel like um, my soul was kind of being held hostage by hustle, just sort of like work, work, produce, produce. And my writing, it started to come out in my writing just in my own ability or inability to sort of manage that with my soul, always always feeling like it was kind of rumbling. And that was sort of what sparked it for me to recognize it was the actual work I was doing. But man, it shows up in a lot of different areas, in my relationships, um, in my uh, conversations, in my own home, kind of the ways that I think about home, because sometimes it's like you I started to, and I do this still sometimes when I'm not present to it, is I'll start to sort of think that I'm going to work really hard now so that later I can rest or so that, you know, there's something waiting for me around the corner. um, And I, and it causes me it makes me unable to sort of settle into where I am right now. And what I'm learning is there is no corner. It's just a circle (laughs) and there's really no finish line. It's just, it's just everyday life. And so this book has really been a practice for me of learning how to embrace my work today, to find contentment in right now, um, and to really begin to learn to breathe in a breathless world.
0: Yeah, you know, what's interesting is before Emily and I hopped on, I was um, saying hello to her because the last time I spoke with Emily was four years ago, actually five years ago. Um, was that the last time we, was that the last time we saw each other in person? Yes, is that yes. It was? Yeah, okay. Mm-hmm. Last Got time it. we saw each other in person, and it was at the Dayspring Encourage retreat for the writers, um for this uh, site we write for alongside each other. And it was the first time I met Emily, and it was really special because Emily said to me, oh, my gosh, you know, it's been the longest time since we spoke. And I said, well, you can't really forget the people that, you know, when you first become a mom and you remember the people that you hung out with because we're all kind of working through the same experiences. There's real bonding. And when I first met Emily, it was so amazing that that was the day that I got the, like, okay, you got it, Bonnie. We're going to publish your book for finding spiritual white space. And so I like ran into the living room. I'm like, Emily, 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 because Emily had just published, um, Grace for the Good Girl with Ravel as well. And it was going to be the same publisher. And I was like, Emily, Emily. And she's like jumping up and down with me. <laughs> we both have tears in our eyes. I'm like, oh my God, this is a real friend here. Cause we, we are experiencing the same kind of joy, you know? Um, but it was so interesting, Emily, that Four months later, I would have never known, four months after we were jumping up and down and crying tears of joy, yay, that I was going to have my first panic attack. And so I was telling Emily that, you know, it took two years for me to get through the hard hardest moments um, where the panic attacks started to abate. And then I started writing my book. And Emily, you were asking me, well, you know, where are you at now? And I said, well, when I first was experiencing learning to find rest, And like you're talking about small moment living and kind of not going with the hustle and the hurry of the world's pace. It wasn't by my choice. Um, It was just happening to me. But then last year, I decided I wanted to choose intentionally to step away and not think about, okay, what is the next book and what I need to get done? Um, And interestingly enough, during that time of just relaxing, the idea for my next book came. So I was curious as you're feeling kind of this current like phase in your life after these three books, what is it that you feel God is kind of inviting you to experience in what ways to rest more?
2: Yeah that's a great question I have um, resting is hard.
0: <laughs> Do you feel that way sometimes?
2: Yeah John uh, my husband John asked me just a couple weeks ago actually, What, he said, what do you, what does rest look like for you? And how does that, you know, translate? And I think like, you know, normally I would just sort of say, you know, not opening my computer and maybe reading and taking a walk and all of those things are true. But sometimes even when I'm doing quote unquote restful activity or even restful inactivity, my mind and my soul are still sort of roaring like an engine a little bit. Yes, and exactly. So I I feel like that him asking me that question has forced me to sort of settle down in and and discover what that is. And part of part of and I'm in the middle of it, Bonnie. So I really don't know if I have a great answer, except to say that I've really been experiencing rest in a different way than I have in many years, maybe ever, because I feel like um, walking with Jesus into the next ordinary moment brings a sense of rest, even in the midst of a lot of activity that I, uh, when I'm in the midst of a big project, sometimes I'm just slightly distracted to where I can't enter into that. If that makes sense at all. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, and so I feel like, um, I I read this book by Alan Fadling called an unhurried life and he really sort of died. I don't have it in front of me, so I, am not going to give like the great elevator pitch for it, but it's not my book. So that's Okay. But in the book, he really talks about, he really looks at the life of Jesus and points out the fact that Jesus never seemed to be in a hurry. And when I think about that and the way that Jesus lived his life, I think that's true. And just sort of the way that he related with people um, was a way that was slower and intentional and present. And I don't always, I don't, I often don't sense that in my own life. And so, I guess to answer your question, um, what that looks like for me is it's taking longer than I thought. Like I, I had a book come out in August um, and now that was, you know, at this time, it's about six months ago. I think I thought like, okay, the book will come out and then a couple months later, I'll start to really relax and really rest. Well, I am just now really starting to settle into a different kind of rhythm because my mind had been in sort of deadline mode. And for anybody who has a big project, even if it's just your own work, um, If it's not like a deadline that's going to go away, but just sort of the everyday practice of working or stuff with the kids or, uh, you know, a house renovation. Like there's a lot of things that can sort of take up that space. Um, And then when it goes away, you think, oh, I'm going to – it's going to be so great, like the day after that's done. But it's like our minds – my body has to relearn how to – live life at a different pace. Does that make sense?
0: Yeah. I think you talk about that in your book in a really soulful way that resonates where you talk about finding your home and returning to it. And I love how you describe it as your Tuesday because Tuesday is kind of an in-between day. It's the day that you talk about kind of sets the tone, right? For the life that we're really living with our family, with our friends. And it's so ordinary. And there's something that happens when we're in the ordinary because we kind of step away from what people's expectations are of us and our own expectations. It's kind of what you're saying, like when your mind is engaged, which it needed to be because you needed to release the book, right? Then, um, but as you s- start stepping into another phase where you feel like you've taken care of that, it's almost like your soul is taking a deep breath and your heart is starting to get engaged, And I love how it is. Yeah.
2: Go ahead. Well, I think that I I think, too, that I have this false idea of the transition time in my mind. I just think, okay, that's done. Next thing, even if the next thing is resting or taking a break. But I mean, do you ever go on vacation and it's like you just have a weekend away and you really don't start to settle into it till the second or third day that you're there? And if it's just a weekend, it's over like you it's done. Mm -hmm. I just think our, our, my body, my mind, sometimes I don't give myself the space to transition from one thing to the next thing, one life phase to the next life phase or one event to the next event. Um, and I expect sort of myself and my, I expect to be able to orient myself more quickly and I'm trying to learn, learn, trying to learn (laughs) to be a little bit more patient with myself and be kinder with myself. Um, when I sort of, when my soul sort of lags behind, I think Eugene Peterson is the one who talked about um, giving our souls a chance to catch up with our bodies. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think that's really profound and it can kind of blow your mind a little bit if you think about it too hard. No, But I just, I feel like my, my, my soul and my body are starting to finally catch up with one another and I'm thankful for that.
0: Yes. Yes. And you know, you talk about this also, Um, in the latter part of your book when you said that, you know, kind of embracing our personalities and our personalities are more contemplative and giving our bodies, like you said, a chance to catch up with our hearts and we're not robots, right? But I mean when we look at the um, online social media, what's going on, just kind of the pace at which, you know, people are posting things and um, the pace at which people are publishing and even when we step out of the book realm, you know, the, the pace at which people are doing things, right? Um, we can just feel like, oh, I think I'm slow. I need to catch up. I need to quickly decide. I need to take action. And um, like you said, where Jesus speaks, speaks to us, where he meets with us is, is outside of that, right? It's, it's, it's very um, personal. It's gentle. He's very accepting, he gives us permission and he keeps inviting us to, to to, discover what that would look like. But I think it is hard, isn't it? It is hard because people don't talk in those terms, right? People talk in terms of deadlines and due dates and what are you going to do next and what are you up to, right? All those questions are not the soulful um, journey and kind of allowing us to give our bodies a chance to catch up with our hearts. I mean, do you feel like there's, me- there's kind of like a dichotomy between the world we live in and, and the whispers that God gives us.
2: Yeah, I do. I mean, I think that's always probably been true, you know, just since the beginning of time mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> when, you know, like when Cain and Abel, they were the brothers, right? Adam and Eve had Cain and Abel and then Cain and Abel fought and then Cain killed Abel. Is that right? Am I saying the story? Yeah, right? yeah, yeah, yeah. And then Cain left the garden. He, he left the presence of God and he went and what's the first thing he did? He built a city. And he had a family and you think like someone who's leaving the presence of God, like in my mind, it's like, and then he must've like set things on fire and done all these terrible things. But he built, he started building things. He started making things. And I thought about that a lot because it wasn't like what he was doing was, you know, quote unquote bad from the outside, you know, just from looking at it, like, well, he built a city and he had a family. Um but he was building it all in his own strength without the presence of god and that's where that's where the futility of it all comes in but sometimes in my own life i i i feel like i can relate in the smallest way to that trying to build my own cities metaphorically speaking now um without the presence of god you know and i think that that, that hustle and that hurry that's what feeds that is i have to build something i have to make a name for myself um and God's not going to, he doesn't really do it that way, um, but it takes the margin to be able to see that and to be able to notice it and to be able to see it in myself.
0: Yeah. And I think it takes courage, doesn't it? It takes courage to say that um, I'm going to give myself this space and I'm trusting that God will show it to me, right? Kind of trusting that in that space, God will speak and that he will give us work. Um, I love how you say that, you know, when Jesus says, I'll um, come to me weary and heavy laden and, and uh, my burden is light. And you said, God doesn't remove the burden. We still have, um, you know, work to do, but that it's light. But it's kind of creating that space, making space for God to show us what is this light work that he'll do with us. That That's kind of courageous. Don't you think that's kind of the brave step we can take is to step into the unknown and not know. Like, well, what is this going to look like and when will it come?
2: Right, because there is a – there can be a great fear that you're going to be left behind or um, that things are going to move on without you, which they will. But but the fact – the problem is when I interpret that that means something about me that's not true because um, things are going on all the time everywhere. My daughter the other day, she's – there. I have twin girls and they're 12 mm-hmm. – and they um, they have iPods. They just got them for their birthday. Oh, um, But they don't have any, they're not on any social media. So they have iPods and they can listen to music mm-hmm. and they can take pictures, you know, but they can't, they don't have Instagram or Twitter, any of that stuff. Um, but one of my girls just asked just this week if she could get an Instagram account. And she's like, I'll keep it private and I'll just be with my friends. Um, and, you know, we're, we said no, just at this time, I don't think there's, mm-hmm. I, I'm, that time will come, but today is not that day. (laughs) How old are they?
0: How old are they? They're 12. Ava and Stella are 12 Uh and you have a son, Luke, and he's right. Okay.
2: And he's almost 10. He would be happy for me to say. Okay. So, but I just think, you know, once they get that Instagram, they can have it forever. It's like, you know, as soon as, as soon as they enter into that, that fast moving stream of social media, then it's going it, to, it's not going to stop. It's not like, well, it'll slow down as they get older. No, it's just going to keep going quicker. Yeah. And I know there will come a time when they'll be on that and, and it will be fine. And we'll navigate that when the time comes. But I did think about, you know, just as long as I can, I'm going to try to hold that back. Um, just because as soon as you open that, it's like a window, it's like you're, it's like opening up a window to the rest of what all their friends are doing that they're where they're not at, you know, <laughs> and it's just a small little piece of, wow, if I can close that window, keep that window closed for as long as possible. Yeah. Um, Then let's learn how to manage our feelings of being left out before we actually have to see it in our Instagram feed every day, yeah. you know?
0: Yeah. Well, I think, well, I, this is what I love about um Copy Break for Your Soul, this podcast, because I was telling Emily before our phone call, I'm like, well, you're just having a conversation. It'll go where it goes. And so I wasn't, planning on talking about like teenagers and social media but actually I just read this article there was a Disney star and she posted on Instagram that she's a queer meaning she's not going to be defined by her sexuality and a lot of people are commenting oh my gosh she's 14 years old and she's talking about her sexuality versus you know um, in the past before social media girls were focused on you know having sleepovers and talking about the crushes that they have and Social media opens up a window to, um, yeah, maybe topics that other um, other people are already into, yet, you know, we, as we're wanting our children to experience small moment living and, you know, relationships and things that are soul feeding, I feel like once that, like you say, that window is open, um, they're going to be exposed to things that Um, maybe they don't need to be experiencing at this time when we're trying to shape their souls and for them to enjoy this space where they don't have to be compared, right? Yeah, and I think that there
2: probably have always been, uh, you know, it might be a little bit naive if we think that all that we used to talk about is boys and (laughs) makeup. I think that there were pockets of lots of different types of conversations happening all over, but I do think social media probably makes it Uh, move more quickly and maybe go to places more quickly that they wouldn't naturally go to. But I also see that with like my girls who have friends who are, my girls are the oldest, so they have a younger sibling and they're twins. Mm -hmm. But when they're friends with um, other kids who have older siblings, so yes. like when their 12-year-old friends are like have siblings that are 18 yes. or 15, Yes, there's a difference there too. And yes. it's because I think about it with my son. My son is allowed to do stuff sooner than my girls were because he's mm-hmm. the youngest. Yes. And that's been an interesting thing to navigate. Just like, oh, okay. So you guys, you watch PG-13 movies. Okay. They haven't really done that yet, but that's normal in your family. And it probably will be in ours later when our son is, you know, so it's just an interesting thing to sort of navigate when you think, well, all these girls are the same age, but they come from different places and different life experiences. And and that's that's something you have to pay attention to, you know?
0: Oh, I like how you put that. I like you put that much better. So thank you for clarifying that. I I like how you put that. Um yeah, people are in different places um, and different experiences. And my children also go to public school and I know that your kids go to public school and yeah, I, for myself, my comfort level is good because I feel like the more we can create a soulful family where um, our kids experience a soulful living and, you know, that values our relationship and really a close connection to God and his stories, I feel like um, it's great. Every year as different topics get, you know, they're exposed to different things because they're in public school. It's like, I feel like I'm also growing up with them. Like I'm learning to talk about the topics that they're exposed to. It definitely helps in having the space for conversations and nurturing um, my own children to notice things and to talk about things. What What do you think in terms of you know the Simply Tuesday lifestyle small moment limit? It it really creates that space for our own children to experience that and to take that I into think it, their lives. Yeah,
2: I think it does. Um, part of it is just. You know, it's not about necessarily elevating the moments above. You know, like oh, this this green little piece of grass is so meaningful, and you know how we can overdo it with the whole like every moment is sacred, and and I think it is, but it doesn't always feel sacred. You yeah. Know, sometimes it just feels like a moment. Sometimes just it just everyday. We life. just have to get through it. You know. Yeah, it's just and, everyday life. But, but the beauty of sort of. Um, this language of simply Tuesday, of of highlighting Tuesday is because Tuesday really is the most ordinary day of the week. Um, it just – it isn't – it's just sort of like if you pay attention the next time you're watching a movie or a TV show or just in general – I've noticed that every time in the script that the actors are trying to point out that this is just like a regular boring day, it's almost always a Tuesday They'd be like, well, there's nothing to do on a Tuesday night in stars hollow, you know, or whatever the show is. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, now I notice that it is it, so funny. Um, because I think we all just kind of universally know like Tuesdays are just like regular days. You're not really traveling. It's just sort of, you're in your own town. You're doing your own job. You're at your own house. You're making, making dinner, doing laundry. Um, and so to to highlight Tuesday as sort of a metaphor for our regular life, because sometimes we might live 10 years of Tuesdays, it feels like, you know, we're mm-hmm. just sort of, we're regular life living and nothing's going on, um, but recognizing how Christ is in the moment. So that's, he's what makes the moments sacred. It's not necessarily that they feel sacred or that something specific happens, but just that um, his presence with me in them is a bigger deal than I maybe once thought. And so uh, I've just really enjoyed paying attention to that the last few years of my life and then um, talking with people who feel like their life is one long Tuesday. Because the truth is, Bonnie, I don't know about you, but, I mean, you've had a a pretty spectacular, and I mean that in both positive and negative ways, Mm -hmm. life experience over the past four years, you know? Um, But... When you look at the scheme of your whole life, and most of us, our whole lives, our lives are not usually lived in brightness or in the depths of darkness for the most part. Most of our lives are just lived in the medium light of a regular day. And so what does it mean to walk with Christ in the midst of those moments? Um, And that's sort of, I think that does help us as we are aware of that as people. It certainly helps us with our kids um, navigate that in their lives because I just read an article actually today and Bogle of Modern Mrs Darcy wrote about um helping her daughter learn how to be bored and I wrote I wrote a similar not very different but a similar concept of sort of learning how to be bored in in Simply Tuesday just because I think it's so important because we don't she was sort of coming at it from like a maybe like a brain what's that word for brain physiological is that the word mm-hmm.
0: Yeah perspective. Like, uh-huh. Yeah.
2: That sounds good, right? That that uh-huh. makes us sound yes. smart if we say something with logical in it. Yes. Um but she was sort of talking about how, you know, her daughter was bored and, and she just sort of let her be bored. And then her daughter had to kind of figure out what to do with that space instead of sort of grabbing a device or doing a thing. And um and I think that's true for us in a lot of ways in our lives. Sometimes our life just feels kind of boring, like nothing's going on. But sometimes that's where I feel like we can really begin to discover Christ is right on the other side of boredom. Um, And even that's a lot of times where I get the most creative is when I feel maybe vocationally bored. Um, Maybe I have a lot to do. Like grownups don't get bored, right? But sometimes we do, but we wouldn't maybe call it that. Um, But it's sometimes in those moments when I don't have another book contract or I don't have a thing that I'm leading right now, or I don't have a book club that I'm going to. um, That's sometimes places where I learned to get creative.
0: Well, I think that, you know, um, during that time, four years, it wasn't spectacular. It was very quite ordinary because I couldn't do anything that was spectacular or ordinary. Every day my focus was just to breathe and cook a meal and have tea, make myself toast. um, Very ordinary everyday things. So it was actually, like you said, in, in this period of my life that I discovered finding spiritual white space, that, that white space where, where we don't have to be more, do more, we don't have to produce anything that in that ordinariness, um, th- I can experience what it's like, as you say, to have Jesus with me. And, and then the things that I've been able to discover that I enjoy that have nothing to do with doing something or producing something yeah it's been a really good time with my children right it's like now we're enjoying things like we're just gonna go for a walk or um, we're gonna just have uh, pull out a board game or okay let's just go read let's go look at the books and see which ones we haven't read yet I mean these are just very ordinary things they're not like a project there's a something I love you bring about, which is about the metaphor that Jesus uses, like a seed, right? And leaven and salt, things that are very ordinary everyday things.
2: Right. And tiny too, you know, like it's, I, I don't know about you, but I sort of grew up thinking that if something grows, that means it was successful. And if it doesn't, if it fails to grow, if it grows slowly, that means it's maybe not as successful. And that, kind of gets under my skin a little bit, especially when I see it in the church, because I think that that's kind of the language that we use. Like it's growing, God is blessing it. Um, or it's not growing. Oh, maybe it was the wrong. Maybe it wasn't God's will. I don't think God works that way. I mean, if you look at his ministry on earth, it just, it maybe some would say it, it wasn't very successful because it, it ended in him being killed. Um, but of course, we know bigger picture, that's not the case. And Um, you know, he, Jesus could have come as a King and he came as a baby. And I really think there's something to that for me to learn in my everyday life. Um, when I feel like I'm looking for those King like moments, where might Christ be inviting me into the infant way, the childlike way, um, the, the Jesus way of walking with him in the midst of those ordinary moments. Um, so yeah, I think mm -hmm. it is interesting, the tiny, the tiny, small, Things that he uses to tell his stories and to reveal his truth.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I think quiet is a quality of of one of those uh, kingdom choices. Don't you think? Like um, sometimes when I'm at a crossroad during a day, like okay, what do I choose to do? Like quiet is is some is is an element of kingdom choices. I feel it can lead to doing things that involve people and involve creating things that God will use and it will involve people, but kind of like the germ of that seed is quietness. At least it has been for me.
2: What have you found, um, when you practice quietness, let's just say, what does that look like for you?
0: Well, um, it's something that I, it's, it's where I feel present. Like there's no other people involved in that moment. Like those are kind of my own kind of decision-making process. So like in one day there are things where I have to do things that involve people. Like, um, I do have to write articles because I I like to write and I like to, you know, write about things I'm passionate about. And then there's, like you said, there's a world of deadlines and things to do, but now having gone through my journey of spiritual white space, I know that I have to prioritize the, moments of my day where there has, has nothing to do with anybody. So there's no voices of anybody else other than, um, just being there alone. So for me, it's alone time. So it could be, I'm going to go take a walk right now. And it's just even 10 minutes. Because I feel like I'm overthinking something. I'm overthinking a decision. So, so those moments <laughs> right. happen when I, I feel like I'm paralyzed. It doesn't look like I'm paralyzed. To somebody else, they're like, oh, wow, you're so analytical. And, you know, I can go on and on about what are the pros and the cons. And I give you worst case scenario, best case scenario. But for me, Emily, because I'm learning more about myself, I know in those moments I'm analyzing, I'm actually not present with Jesus. Right. I'm present with my thoughts. I'm present with my yes. analysis.
2: Right. I can relate to that. Okay.
0: I'm not present with Jesus. I'm, I'm just thinking about what I want to do. Yep. So, so God can give me a desire, a seed for an idea. And I know that that's from God because you get all excited and you know, you get all bubbly and like, Oh my God, this is a great idea. But then the moment I step into the analyzing And then I start thinking about what other people will think about it. Okay, how effective will this be? What route should I take um, that will be the best way to deliver this idea? You know, once I start getting into that, okay, I've stepped out of being present. And now I'm thinking, I'm thinking about the idea. I'm not doing it. So what I do is for me, I know, okay, I'm gonna go, I'm gonna take a walk 10 minutes and I'm gonna look at the trees, I'm gonna look at the sky and I'm just going to notice what's beautiful to me. And sometimes I can make toast, okay? So it's not like, oh, I just, you know, sometimes right. I can't go out. So then I'll make toast. I don't know what it is about <laughs> toast. I love the way it yep. just browns. I love the way the butter melts. And I, <laughs> it takes time to boil water, by the way. It's like, seriously, when I'm in that mode, Emily, of analyzing, oh, my God. It's just like, that would be last thing my mind is to boil a pot of water. But I'll say, I'm going to stop. I'm going to go boil a pot of water, sit down, and have this piece of toast. And something like that that breaks me out of that, you know what I mean? Right. So Yeah, for me, that. it's soup. Mm-hmm. For me, it's making soup.
2: <laughs> I'm not kidding. Like something about the chopping. It's like you you can't be chopping and then not pay attention to what you're doing. You have to, you know, I'm chopping a carrot now. Now I'm going to chop some celery. Yes. <laughs> and there's just something really grounding about making soup.
0: Yes. Yes. Yes, yes. And yes. yours is
2: toast. I yes. should adopt toast. That's so much easier. No, toast.
0: I'm like soup too. No, soup is that's the big guns, okay? That's when it's <laughs> right. a really bad day and I can't that's decide when really anything. Yeah. Yeah. And I spent the whole day thinking about everything and I did nothing. I'm like, I'm running right. to the grocery store. I'm buying carrots and celery and yeah. Yeah. Right. Exactly. That's good. No, so toast right is like you. your
2: toast is your midday. Like I I'm I'm overthinking. Yeah. But soup is like your major decision time.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah. I got it. I got you. Exactly. And then <laughs> um also I know I've seen beautiful pictures of your piano. I love the piano too. So like is that your also place, your your white space? It totally is. Moment? I get
2: I can get in trouble though because I'll like if I have, let's say I have an article to write or something, but I'll be like, I'm just gonna go clear my head and play. song on the piano and then like 30 minutes later I come back and sometimes that's great but sometimes that's too long when I only have a limited amount of time to work
0: do you ever feel though that you have this energy though it's like your your soul is freed up and even though it's like oh my god now I have like oh I have less time but you you have this like vitality you have this vitality Whereas before yeah, it's like, sometimes
2: you can just, you can hit a wall with, mm-hmm. if you're trying to get something done, like a project or whatever it is that you're working on. And if you just kind of try to, you know, grind through it, yeah, sometimes okay. it works, but usually not for me or, or I can do it, but it's not great. But if I can step away for a while and just make a little space and come back to it, yeah. um, it always, it always works out. And you know, my parents used to tell me that when I was younger mm-hmm. and I was in high school and I was doing my homework and I would just be work, work, working. And I was super self-motivated and disciplined. And mom and dad both would always say, Emily, you just need to step away from it and take a little break. And I wanted to be like, that's easy for you to say. You don't have this due tomorrow. And I was so angry about their whole, their like cavalier approach to doing homework. But, you know, I think they were right because I think I would probably try to work for two hours when if I would have walked away from it for five minutes, I could have worked in half the time. It's just a weird, it's like work math. You know, it just, it's a weird way that that works, but I think it's really true.
0: Yes. Yes, it is. It's very counterintuitive for like girls like us who are very analytical and good at it. And it's worked well for us. And it's it's very well rewarded in school and even in ministry, just getting things done. So it's nothing to you know feel bad about. It's 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 an ability that we've developed and um, it, it, it's useful, but it's not all of us. It's not all of us.
2: That's right. And I feel like, too, that is when I feel myself going into that mode. I Mm -hmm. think God made me that way. God made us that way. Mm -hmm. But I always want to be aware of I don't want to work my way um, out of needing Jesus or out of seeing how much I need Jesus. Because, you know, when we're in something that we're good Mm -hmm. at or we do Mm -hmm. naturally, Mm -hmm. um, I can forget his presence with me. But the truth is I need his presence in everything.
0: Yeah. And I feel like the way God made us, even though we think we could do it, I think it, we can't last long in that. That's what I've discovered right. with the journey. Yeah, it's like, you, you think you can, but actually your soul is just like hungering and longing and 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 eventually you just can't. So the soul, is, it won't be neglected. Even if we try to, like, you know, eventually we, we will have to make soup.
2: <laughs> eventually it always comes back to soup, Bonnie.
0: <laughs>
2: gotta make the soup.
0: Yes, yes. Also thing that I loved is one of my favorite quotes here. You said, our living and our art can quickly cross over into our obsessions and our burdens. So sometimes I'll be living my life in a hurry. I'm closing the fridge door with my foot and scribbling out birthday cards in my car at the last minute. I want to make bread or at least find the time to toast it. (laughs) Here's your toast. (laughs) Toast made it into the book. Yes. So what are some of the things, and you talked about soup and piano, some of the ways to kind of like slow us down?
2: I mean, I know people talk about this and it's easier to say than do, but one thing that does help me is to wake up just 15 minutes before those kids do Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and just sit in my chair. I have a chair. I think it helps to have a designated spot where when you go there, your body knows it's time to take a deep soul breath. And so I finally had, my spots have changed throughout the years in the uh-huh. house, but I think I have finally found my favorite spot in my house where I sit and that's sort of, I don't sit there to do work, you know, or to do interviews or whatever, but I'll sit there to read and to pray and to just look out the window. Yes. I feel like that we have lost the spiritual discipline of staring out of windows mm-hmm. and I would like to bring that back in style.
0: Yeah. <laughs> yes, especially you're living out in North Carolina. I, I I often forget about this because I live in California. So I always tell my readers, you know, after the kids go to school, so my time is after the kids go to school. Like I, I sleep to the last possible minute to wake up, so I'm kind of opposite <laughs> of you. But I wait to the last possible minute I have to wake up, and then I get their lunches, get the whole breakfast going. Then when I have them in school, that's when I go for my walk. So I always talk about my walk. Yeah. And then I flew in um, two weeks ago to um, – Pennsylvania. It's like snow everywhere. So I'm like, oh, well, what do people do when they're <laughs> snowing? So this is great, Emily.
2: You can stare out the window. You don't have to walk into the elements.
0: And have a chair.
2: Right. And a chair. Simple.
0: So when you're there, do you drink tea or you drink coffee?
2: Oh, girl, I got to drink coffee. In the morning, <laughs> coffee. Now in the evening, John and I sometimes will have tea. Mm. I, can't do co- I can't do coffee like... In the afternoon, really. Well, I can, but I will regret it. Let's put it that way.
0: What kind of coffee drink is your favorite?
2: Okay. So at home, we drink old lady Folgers coffee. Yes, we do. Can wow. you believe it? I'm so not a coffee <laughs> snob. I'm really not. Um, we used to drink Starbucks, but then it started to, I don't know. It, it tastes kind of weird. And then one day we accidentally, no, I think my parents bought Folgers or something. because, mm-hmm. And we were like, uh but then we drank and we we're like, oh, it's really fine. It's fine because I like cream in my coffee. So it, you know, a little yeah. bit of coffee with my cream never hurt. Um, so that, however, I will tell you this. I just went, I just got back from my sister's house a few days ago. And she has one of those um, Nespresso machines
0: Ooh, yes. where it's like, do you know those? <gasps> yes.
2: They yes. make really good coffee. And I feel like I was ruined a little bit because I came home to my Folgers and it's just not the same.
0: Are you going to get one then?
2: Well, I or don't know. I
0: mean, you know, mean, you know I'm
2: I'm thinking about it. I've yeah. looked at them online, but I have not yet pulled the trigger.
0: Yeah. First step is looking. Yep. Yeah. Because, you know, my I friend, know. she has one. I literally invite myself over because I want a Nespresso. <laughs> <laughs> it's so fancy. It's
2: like, it's like foamy and the, it, the coffee tastes good. You don't even need to really add much to it. No, not um,
0: at all. And it's just so easy. Yeah. Yeah. I know. I've been wanting. But when want I go out,
2: when I go out, mm-hmm. to, like if I go to Starbucks yes, lately, yes. I've been getting a, um, a caramel macchiato, but made with hazelnut instead of the vanilla. Cause they make, they it with mac with caramel on the top. Yes. But the actual syrup that they make it with is vanilla, even though it's called a caramel macchiato, but I don't want it with vanilla. I want it with hazelnut. Ooh. So that's been my new, um, kind of, coffee drink at Starbucks but then when I go to like a local place like mm-hmm. we have several you know yes. local just coffee places yes. the coffee is always better and I'll I, you can get anything at those places and it's going to taste good in my opinion
0: yeah but then
2: yeah. again, I like folders, so I'm probably not the best one to
0: ask no there's things that are very everyday ordinary that can open up extraordinary moments for us I'm thinking this tea time you have with John so it might be like, okay, it's a cup of tea, but like, what's that time that you have together? What is that like? I mean, it's not
2: that profound. Yeah, no. Yeah. <laughs> we, and we go through, we go through, we cycle through our preference sometimes it's tea um, and sometimes it's ice cream. So mm-hmm. let's just be real.
0: Yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm.
2: But you know, what's funny. It's funny that you say that because not necessarily about the tea ice cream routine, but, um, Though, When you say the ordinary moments can open up something profound, when I look back at photos of like the kids and our lives, you know, five, six, seven years ago, you know, there's the photos of like it's Christmas and or it's here's the post family photo. But I always love it when I don't delete or throw away the photos of like the living room in the midst of a regular day. Yes, Because I tend to take, like, if I'm going to take a photo of my house, I'm going to clean it. And like, oh, let's document what our house looks like right now. Clean, 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 sweep, 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 picture. Mm -hmm. But I love seeing, I kind of love seeing our historical messes. Like from when the kids were little, she's like, oh, yeah, the Polly Pockets. Remember when they paid Polly Pockets? And all the different things that sort of at the time were so, so normal in every day. Mm-hmm, yes. But everything's normal in every day until those days pass. And mm-hmm. then they're not normal in every day anymore. But you never said goodbye to them because it just sort of slowly morphed into the next normal. Um, and so in some ways, that's not exactly what you're saying. But I do think about no, how those everyday no. moments yeah. are sort of they became profound just because of the fact that they live in our family history, you know? Yes.
0: No, that is actually what I was I was getting to is that, you know, you, you think about the times where you, you you found out that, you know, the boyfriend you were dating was going to be the one and he was going to be your husband. It's like you spend like the most ordinary day together and you're just enjoying it thoroughly, you know? Um, yeah. And you look back and even around with friends, right? You, you always talk about those really ordinary moments that you're sharing together. It's like... Um, That's when you experience something, the most meaningful thing with this relationship, which is just being able to be present. Um, So I think that's a good place for us to land for today's podcast. I like it. Yeah. Well, thank you so much, Emily, for spending this time with us. Tell us where we can find you online.
2: Yeah, well, you can learn all about the book at um, simplytuesday.com. And then you can find me at emilypfreeman.com. Don't forget the P. Um, and that's where uh, I write regular, fairly regularly um, uh, just to help you and me create space for our souls to breathe in the midst of everyday life.
0: Yes. And it's it's just great. It's great that I feel like God is just, he's whispering some new words into um, all of us In this community. And again, this is Bonnie Gray, your host for today's edition of Coffee Break for Your Soul. All right, have a good restful day. Oh, one more thing to join the Whispers of Rest book club community that's happening in the private Facebook group, go to whispersofrest.com. Once there, you can sign up with your email and you'll get my newsletter and get an invitation to join the private Facebook group. All you need to do to become a member is to buy a copy of the book, and that encourages and nurtures a community of kindred spirits. You're going to love it. It's an encouraging community and safe community where we can share from our journey as it unfolds. Also, during the week, I'd love to connect with you. So you can find me on Instagram or Facebook at The Bonnie Gray. And if you want to send me any of your questions, hop over to my website at thebonniegray.com. Okay, have a wonderful week. I'll see you next time.
1: When the thunder of my faults wakes me up...